I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. We have a Reddit post today that is teaching us a new phrase, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of a fan of it. I don't. Me too. I think I like it. So the title of this post is "Forced to the Fringe Help," and so what we have is a a post that's made apparently by the uh, romantic partner of the father in this situation, and it says that the partner has been divorced for five years, and they've been together for four point five years, which is a little quick. Mm-hmm. And might be assumed by other people to be something that started before the divorce. Right. Including maybe a, a specific child of theirs who may or may not be a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And or the mother as well. Exactly. Or, or both. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, dad has less than 30% custody of his son and has become alienated from his daughter, which is clearly a shame. So, She's concerned because the kid's mom is insistent on having the kids participate in activities that are led by her social circle. So, for example, if she has to go to school, if the mom does, she doesn't work, apparently she's in school, then she'll schedule the kids to stay with her friends instead of having them come over to their dad's house. But if he has work, then the mom wants the kids to go to her house because it's better for kids to be with a parent and not a quote-unquote caretaker who... I think we are assuming to be the author of this post. Yes. That's the caretaker who's upset at being called a caretaker. Yes. She also has her boyfriend coaching the sports teams for the kids and it makes it really awkward for the dad to be involved in the activities. The daughter apparently has made up lies about her dad and flicks him off from the field when he goes to watch her games. As a result, they no longer sit on the bleachers with the other parents and instead sit in the outfield to defend from malicious false claims. Hmm. She will also make decisions, the mom will, that are supposed to be joint parenting decisions, but she makes them without him and she informs him or doesn't afterwards. She also signed their daughter up for a new school and put her boyfriend as the dad when he obviously is not the dad and has no legal or custodial rights. And she says in this post, while double standards are an issue and alienation is an issue, I'm interested in knowing more about forced fringe parents. And that's that phrase mm-hmm. that we're learning, which I don't hate. Essentially, the dynamic is to set up to push dad to be on the fringe in all social situations and ultimately exclude him from being involved and replace him with her boyfriend. Has anyone had ever addressed this sort of exclusion? And forced fringe parenting in court. How did that go? There's a lot there. And we don't know how old the kids are, but we're definitely assuming that the girl's a teenager, the boy probably not. And I'm wondering, of course, how long the child has been alienated from him or estranged from him would be the more appropriate word there, I think. Right. And if it's been very long at all. I'm just kind of amazed that dad is still showing up at games and uh, events and trying to be right. An actual parent. Yeah. I'm reading from this that he doesn't see the daughter at all. Right. Unless he goes to a sporting event. Right. 
Wow. So forced fringe parenting. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I mean, that, right. that term makes sense to me, being pushed to the fringes. And it's very common for a spouse to want to, for a, a parent to try to replace the other parent with their new significant other. Right. And this lady is in school, apparently, the mom. So she's dependent on the, the new husband or right. boyfriend, actually, right. just her boyfriend, which is not a great situation. And I wonder if the boyfriend was already a coach. Maybe the boyfriend has a kid that's the same age in the same social circle. Quite possibly. So there's just so many things that we don't know here. But the question that she had was, has anyone addressed this with the court or the JL and how does it, how does it work out? And it's complicated because there's lots of um, pieces of evidence that need to be had. Right, and that's why I'm actually surprised and glad, too, that she mentioned a GAL, because most people do not know that exists, right, especially being, that are living in this kind of scenario. Right, being a guardian ad litem. Right. Yeah. And so you're talking about the, the kinds of things that need to be found out. That is what a GAL is supposed to do and does a great job of. So, Yeah, and that investigation can be really hard, though, because she says that the daughter is making up lies. Right. So... A question that I would have would be, are these lies that have been determined to be lies? Right. Or just from their perspective, they're lies. And it was also kind of interesting that they sit in the outfield instead of in the bleachers with the parents at the girls game because they want to avoid malicious uh, false claims. But who's making the false claims? If the child's on the field and they're just sitting with other adults, what could the malicious false claims be? Exactly. Although the kids do spend a lot of the time on the field watching what's going on in the bleachers. Yeah, they do. I hear this a lot. I just, I, it, it, my next question to the child is always, are you actually in the game? Are you, are you (laughs) participating in the game? Is your head in the game at all? Because, you know, they're watching where everybody's sitting and whether they're uh, on their phone or really watching, you know, they're, they're really, they're paying attention and it frequently comes up in my joint sessions with parents and a teenager, you know, you weren't even, you were there, but you weren't really ever watching me. You were looking at your phone the whole time. Which is obviously ironic for a teenager to be complaining about. (laughs) Well, at that point they're on stage in one way or another, and they're supposed to be watched. Well, but it does show that they know what's supposed to happen in their own lives too. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's take this one by one. If that works for you. Sure. So, if she has to go to school, she'll scale the kids to stay with her friends instead of having them come over to their dads. What she's talking about there is essentially a rider first refusal. And often a rider first refusal will be termed to be a period of four to six hours, maybe. Does and, anybody ever put that in an order anymore? I have not read that in a long time. Yeah, we do. Okay. And but it for me, it causes more problems than it's worth, typically. But if a client wants it, we'll and, you know, they can agree, we'll put it in there. And it is true that um, if it's a routine thing, it would be nicer if the other parent could spend time with them. But the question becomes, are you actually spending time with them? And as the child gets older, the child doesn't want to be disrupted from their activities, especially busy kids who are in multiple sports. They don't want to have to change where they are, especially if they have homework to do 
for a couple of hours because their mom went to school maybe in the evening or something. And I even thought it says she will schedule the the kids to stay with her friends. Maybe her friends are the parents of their friends as well. And so they're actually going over to her friend's house. Exactly. And it says instead of going to the dad's house, well, is the dad there? Right. Would they be spending time with her dad or with dad's partner? They're saying the caretaker thing. Right. So from my perspective, you know, right of first refusal can have its place. I think especially with younger kids, because it's great to have that frequent and consistent contact. And that can be a way to help save money if you have to have a caretaker and or babysitter. You can save some money and have that ongoing contact, which is great, especially for the younger kids. Right. But with older kids with lots of activities, it just you're going to wind up having the kids resent you. Right. And so it may not be the best idea. And especially you get a, a dynamic where if you have an older sibling who is alienated or has just determined they're just resisting or refusing to go, the younger sibling will sometimes start to say, well, why do I have to go? Right. Especially if the older sibling is doing something fun. And lots of times the older sibling will start to basically groom the younger sibling to not want to go either. And it can happen it's not like, okay, well, then when the younger one gets to the age that the older one was, when that started happening, now it, it will happen much sooner. Right. Just like all things, a young, the younger kid is going to perceive themselves to be ready earlier. Right. So for this one, I'm not as sympathetic to the right of first refusal issue because of the perceived age of the children and the fact that you're right, it probably is going to their friend's house. And if the girl's a teenager, even if she were having visitation with dad, she wouldn't need um, to have someone. But if mom is arranging for both kids to go, maybe she's not as old as we think she is. She's getting a little ahead of herself if she's not. Yeah, because she's flicking dad off yeah. from the field. Exactly. Which show, And how is mom permitting that? Exactly. That was my first thing, too. It was like, where is her mother? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I think I would be mortified if, let's say that uh, my wonderful wife and I split up, and for some reason I had custody, which, I mean, clearly she should have custody. <laughs> and my son was flicking her off from the field. I would be mortified. I'd be like, right. what kind of parent have I turned into that I'm allowing this to happen? Right. So that tells me that you have an enmeshment going on where the daughter's taking the mother's perspective. And this may circle us back to the fact that partner started four and a half years ago and the divorce was five years ago. Right. Okay. So the daughter has made up lies about her dad and flicks him off when he goes to watch her games. If that is the dynamic, would you encourage the dad to continue to go to the games? I usually do because you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. However, I think these people need reconciliation therapy quite badly. Right. (laughs) This is usually the kind of intake story I get. You know, we're to this point. But so often we run into reconciliation counseling where the child, especially a teenager, um, and I think often a girl, will say, he's dead to me. Right. I don't want to see him at all. I don't want to participate in this. You can make me come, but I'm not going to participate. 
And so you, you get kind of stuck there too. Yeah. Well, typically though, when I first hear the story, I mean, that will be mom's word for it usually when I'm listening to the story. But then when I talk to the child is when I do find out that her story in her head about, because I always like to talk to them about why they think the parents are separated or divorced and then what their perspective is about what happened next, about new relationships, et cetera. Since there are new relationships on both sides, you know, what's what's the story in the kid's head about that that she's still acting off of? Hmm. Because it could be a very true story, and she has got good reasons to be mad at Dad about something, or it could be that it is something that's planted there or has not been squelched by the mother. Yeah, and this girl is on a path to just lots of heart heartache because right. if she's not going to have her relationship with her dad, well, and it's not true that she, it's not true that she doesn't have a relationship with her dad. She has one, right? She has a relationship with her dad in which he comes to her games and she flicks him off. <laughs> and so they have an ongoing relationship that is unique because yes. I imagine she doesn't have any other person in the world. She flicks off from the field. <laughs> and so she's acknowledging that he's there. You know what? That just dawned on me because I've talked to so many parents that are like, I go to these games, sometimes drive a lot of miles to get to something. They don't even notice that I'm there. I they, right. they never acknowledge that I'm there. She's got a lot of hurt that she needs to express. And instead of... I think we've got a lot to work on. I think... Reconciliation. Right. I, right. Exactly. There's a lot there that she wants to express. And she's... And mom, instead of saying, hey, let's fix this relationship, seems to be okay with it being in that position. Right. And dad hasn't done anything about it either, apparently. And that will be as long as there's not a rebound onto mom's boyfriend or mom herself. Why does that happen a lot? Yeah. You play with fire, you get burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know. And if you promote certain things to continue, certain behaviors that should not be promoted or accepted or allowed to continue it will probably rebound on you. Right, exactly. It's not too long before the learned behavioral behavior circles back. Right. She can only go so long without similarly ticking off her child that she's empowered in this way. And since it's not dad talking here and we just have his partner uh, calling it a double standard or alienation, we don't know because, you know, as you and I both know frequently uh, it's looked at as alienation if the child is refusing to come to see dad, but we don't know for sure what is on his side of the story and what he might have done that has legitimately angered this child, hurt her, made her not want to be around him and or his girlfriend. It could be a lot about the girlfriend. And so, um, And, you know, I don't know if dad is going to the games by himself or with the girlfriend. It sounds like with the girlfriend because we no longer sit in the bleachers. Um, So many times children have told me, I'm good with him coming. I just don't want her there. I don't want to have to look at her during my game. Yeah. And you and I were talking earlier. It's rare that you have the situation where you have a child refusing to go to visitation. And it's only something that the custodial parent is doing. Right. It's almost always the 
the estranged parent has some culpability right. in it. Right. Well, I think you're dead on about this girlfriend. The more I'm thinking about it, the more I think you're right. I wonder what would happen. That would be an interesting experiment. Right. If dad went by himself to the game and I'm sure he'd get flicked off just from muscle memory mm-hmm. the first time, but maybe after two or three or four or 10 times, maybe he's not getting flicked off anymore. Or what did he do in response to the flick off? Well, I think he flicked her off too. I mean, you think? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. What's a good guy response to that? You tell me. What What would you do? Huh. If my daughter flicked me off from the field. In front of God and everybody. I don't think I would do anything. I think I would just be sad. And then I think I would just cheer her on as she played her game. Because what can you do? Blow her a kiss. Yeah, but that may be, she may think that that's, you know, the same. Just flicking her off. Do the little heart symbol. (laughs) Can you picture me doing a heart symbol? (laughs) Yeah, that's why I suggested that. Everybody seems to be using that now. Oh, I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) Give me time, I guess. Good thing you don't have a girl. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? I think if I had a daughter... I think I would be I would be so run over mm-hmm. that they're yeah it's yeah, a good thing I had probably. son. Okay, now let's get to the decision making. So she also makes decisions that are supposed to be joint parenting decisions without him, and informs him or not afterwards. Well, if they're supposed to be joint parenting decisions, then I'm inferring that there's an order that says that, right. and so file contempt. Right. I mean, he has just permitted these violations in his perspective to accumulate over time and to set, to set in to where that's the new reality. And it's not like a parent in this case, the mother who is willing to sort of trample on what's supposed to be his rights and obligations is going to do less of it. If she gets away with it, she's only going to do more. And so she's allowing this to, He's allowing this to get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, that's a good mechanism to get back into court. Because typically, if you file contempt and you win, there's typically going to be a fee-shifting provision that awards you your fees if you were correct. So it's sort of a low-cost way, if you have a clear winner, right, to get back in front of the court. And while you're there, you can handle some of these other issues. Right. Or at least to have a PC appointed if you don't already have one or a GAL where either one of those people can also recommend something like reconciliation therapy <laughs> to say you start seeing your child again. Right. You know? And then, so she also signed their daughter up for a new school and put her boyfriend as the dad when he obviously is not the dad. I mean, I have, I have several cases right now where that's the situation. Oh, yeah. And again, what you do is you point out that that's not okay, ask them to change it. If they don't change it, you file contempt. Yeah, I've had it somehow, it's right at the first of every school year that that happens the most. Right. Is when everybody gets the little paperwork that they're supposed to fill out who, who's the parent, how do we get a hold of them? And, yep. and uh, typically, the parent that fills it out is the one that leaves off the other parent or put somebody else in their place. And uh, I've recommended already just in month of August that because we go back to school here, I think the first 
day that anybody went back to school here was the 11th. And so, you know, we've already been in about three weeks for some of them. And they, you know, have already been to the school, my recommendation to see, you know, does the school have my information? Right. If they're complaining to me that they have not received anything from the school, they didn't know anything about the first day of school or whatever, then you probably are not on somebody's email list that you should jump onto. Yeah. And so, or that parent portal thing or something. But some schools are still using just, you know, the parent email stuff. So find out if, you know, there's something that you're not on that you got left off on of or somebody else is in your, your spot on that. I mean, paper. I have sympathy for that. And it's not right to put someone who's not the parent as the parent. Right. On the other hand, I have very little sympathy for the parent, and it's usually the dad. Who will come in and say, it's been three weeks and I don't know anything. Right. Me I'm neither. Like, I'm like, well, you know that school started. Right. You know where the school is. You notice they're selling school supplies. Right. Like, do something. That's what I've been telling people for the past three weeks. Yes. Right. You Go don't. the source on everything. Right. You don't just come in. You don't come in three weeks later and say, I haven't heard anything. It's her fault. Right. No. Be proactive. Right. I had to tell a guy the other day, she is no longer your secretary. <laughs> right. She probably was at one point, but she's not anymore. So right. you've got to go to the source. Right. Just do something. And then potentially they could find out something like like this guy found out that would not look good on the mother in court, probably. Right. Or with the PC or GAL. But if, yeah. But I think if I were the judge, I would say, ma'am, you know that's not right. You need to fix that. And I would say to him, what do you expect? Right. If you're not taking any active role in what's going on, someone has to, and it looks like she filled the void. And the mother would be saying, he never never was interested in going to the school before. He's never been to a parent-teacher conference or anything. So. Right. Exactly. Okay. So how does that relate to the forced fringe parenting? Well, so she's making the case that mom is on a multi-year, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. effort to shift dad out of the picture, make him give up and go away so her boyfriend can be dad. Which is, it's strange to me that, you know, both of these folks, the mom and the dad, have partners. It's boyfriend, it's partner, it's not husband right. or wife. So I'm not quite sure what's going right. on with that. But I would be concerned. I mean... I'm not a fan of forcing people to get married to check a box right? because that brings its own trouble. But if you're not married, then neither of these people should have any involvement in any of this stuff. Right. The dad's partner should say, dad, you, that's your business. You deal with that. Right. And boyfriend should be doing his own thing. He shouldn't be all up in the sports teams unless his own kids are on the team, which may be the case. But we have a lot of involvement of third parties that doesn't make any sense to me, at least how it's being put forward. Right. I think that, to me, the forced fringe parenting is kind of a new way of saying alienation. Yeah. She's she's using both words. And so you do have to look at yourself and, and ask yourself, as the dad, like we just said, am I placing myself on the fringe by just allowing mom to continue to do a lot of the things that like I know you've you've owned that your wife does a lot of those things for your son, and right, you know it. Um, frequently, that is a normal sharing of parental duties when you're together. But then that 
just seems to continue when they split up. Right. And so it is um, something that you might be putting yourself on the fringe as well sometimes. Right. And it's, you know, the alienation, if it's happening, is not okay. This relationship dynamic with the daughter is not okay. But all things being equal, if the boyfriend is a nice guy and doing a good job with the sports team and dad wasn't going to do it anyway, not necessarily the biggest deal. Right. And maybe dad doesn't want to be as involved as maybe his partner thinks he should. Right. So maybe they need to have a conversation about how much he actually wants to be involved. Some people are just not built to be a primary or equal custodian. Right. And that's okay. The problem for folks is when they're not built to be that and they try to force their square, square selves into that round hole because they have a social pressure from their parent or from their new partner where they're having to explain why they're not more involved when the truth is they don't want to be. Right. So he needs to decide how much he wants to be involved. If he wants to be more involved for his own reasons, he needs to take the steps to get there. But if he really doesn't want to, that's okay. He just needs to let his partner know to let it go and then enjoy the role that he wants to have. Not everyone has to be in charge. Right. Very good point. All right. Well, that's it for for these folks. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.